Welcome in to the today's Monday edition of the Yorkshire. Today's Monday, August 30th. Big action packed show ahead. I'm also going to break down some segments and show scheduling for the upcoming football season. The most action packed time of the year for sports is in the fall with college football starting, NFL starting, and playoff baseball on the horizon. Much to talk about today. Let's get into it. The Ox Show starts right now. Day is Monday, August 30th, 2021. Beautiful Monday afternoon. And uh, let's talk some sports, shall we? There's a lot to cover. First of all, I want to touch on the schedule upcoming for the fall football season. The tentative plan is twice a week after week one of the NFL. We'll go early in the week around Tuesday to break down NFL action, college football action, go over the picks that I made for both, and fantasy performers and all that. And then two days later, right before Thursday Night Football, to preview the football action ahead, make predictions and such. And then those two shows, anything that's happened in other sports, playoff baseball, basketball, hockey, etc., will fill in the gaps. So that's my plan for the shows starting in two weeks. So next week there will be one middle of the week probably episode where we're gonna I'm gonna break down I'm gonna make this will be the only episode of this week and I'm gonna make college football picks and then next week we'll break down those picks and then I'll start my NFL picks in that same show next week as well as making the college football picks for that week. I'm gonna break down my other two fantasy teams in my draft. I did two fantasy drafts yesterday so that'll be fun. From a baseball perspective I'm in a fantasy baseball playoffs this week with my league so I'll talk about that as well. And we'll just talk this. We're getting out of the dog days of summer for baseball, and, and we're really going to get into some pennant races here. We're close to October baseball. Fall is truly an exciting time for sports, and I'm very much looking forward to everything that is to come. So just for programming, though, we're going to really get into it now. Also, my blog is really going to catch some fire, too. Google, go to your whatever, Safari, Internet Explorer, whatever. Look up the Change of Chronicles on Blogspot. That's where you can find any blog writings. If you missed the show for predictions and picks, I'm putting my NFL and, and college football picks on Blogspot on my blog, The Change of Chronicles, every week. So if you're not much of a listener and you want to read, you can read. If you want to see the picks on a paper, screen, whatever, go to the blog. Or if you don't want to read and you don't want to look at the blog, that's fine. Come to the show and, and listen and, and interact. We'll have some fun. So. That's just a quick get that out of the way, housekeeping program type stuff. Now, let's get into the show. We're going to start, and I just want to briefly touch on this because I haven't talked about this since it happened a few weeks ago. Just get some NBA talk out of the way. Just particularly, though, we know I'm a huge Chicago sports fan, so that's where a lot of this stuff is geared. Chicago Bulls had one heck of a free agency running, able to sign and trade for Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan. We drafted Io DeSumo. It's things are, and we signed Alex Cruz. I always forget someone because the Bulls just made a lot of moves in general. Things are looking up for the Bulls. I love, I'm not a huge NBA fan as a whole, but I'm going to support my team. And it's just been tough to watch because the Bulls have not really been anything in a very long time. 
But now we have Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan to compliment Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, Pat Williams, and then guys like Caruso on the bench. Io DeSumo will come off the bench. We signed still relatively young but good backup center and Tony Bradley, and now we're looking after Paul Millsap. The Bulls need to make the playoffs this season. I definitely think they will. The question is where will they land in that area? I think their ceiling is the fourth or fifth seed just because they're not going to outperform the Nets, the Bucks, you know, teams like of that nature. I think the only team, I think Nets, Bucks, Miami, I would confidently put ahead. I think they could give Miami run for their money, but just saying Miami's better, I think their ceiling is the fourth seed. But hey, once you, all it matters is if you make it to the dance. And don't forget, too, there are teams like Atlanta and New York who are around the same boat. I don't know how Boston's going to be this year. So I think they'll make the playoffs, but in the highest seed they'll get is the fourth seed. But no, it's very exciting. I'm excited to see what Lonzo Ball can do. I've been a huge Lonzo Ball fan since his days at UCLA. Even started following him when he was a senior in high school at Chino Hills. Just a very big fan of what he can do. He's a non-selfish player, which is huge for a team like this with a very ball-dominant score all-star in Zach Levine. Lonzo doesn't need the ball. Lonzo doesn't need to put up 20 points a night. He plays great defense. He can facilitate, and it's good to have a guy like him there. And he's he's he can score when needed in a pinch, but he's not going to be he's going to be what our fourth option because I would put I'd say Levine's the number one option still, followed by DeRozan, and then Vucevic is like option two A and two B, and then there's Lonzo, Patrick Williams, and such. And then I like what our bench. I didn't even mention Kobe White. You know, bench options. Our bench backcourt looks nice. Kobe White. You know, we signed Alex Caruso. We drafted Io DeSumo. You know. Paul Millsap would be a really nice addition to help accelerate that front court. And we have Tony Bradley. And then a move that we just made this past week, we traded Lowry Markkinen in a sign-and-trade in a three-team deal. We brought in draft capital, which is used, but we also brought in small forward Derek Jones Jr., who will be a huge bench piece. You know, it's nice that we're evening out the bench. I think this is a project over the next couple of years. This year, make the playoffs. I don't know. It'll be fun. It's just going to be fun to have an entertaining basketball team in Chicago, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, from the Blackhawks perspective, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's ready to go. And that's all there really is to be said about that. We're kind of just waiting to hear thing to, for the season to start. We have time. So, but like I said, Blackhawks will also be an exciting team to watch this season as well. All right, let's talk baseball. Um, tough. I mean, I guess we just start the Cubs talk now. Yeah, I'll start the Cubs talk now and then we'll go into the pennant races um really tough what the cubs did just dismantling the team getting rid of javi rizzo bryant chafin to para kimbrell um the only one that really hurt was rizzo if i'm being quite honest uh bryant i've wanted bryant gone since 2018 and bias bias hurt a little but after seeing what's been going on in new york now and i'll get into what's going on too um it's i'm okay with it rizzo just hurt because he was such he was here since the beginning he's played here for nine years and I don't think he's going to come back. If he does come back, it'll be toward the tail end. Like it's not, he's not going to come back in the off season. So it'll be, it's tough, but I like what the future of Cubs baseball is. You know, there's a very big market this upcoming off season. You know, we have a lot of shortstops available. We have Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Javi's back out on the market. I like the idea of going and getting a shortstop. Even though, you know, we have Nico Horner and we got Nick Madrigal in the trade for Kimbrell, who Madrigal will be the second baseman come opening day next year. But I feel like with all the flexible payroll the Cubs have, 
Like, and I get that we have three really solid shortstop prospects in our system. I'm going to talk about the prospects as well. But go make a move for a guy like a Trevor. Any of those four I'd be okay with for the right price. Even Javi. I mean, I I love Javi. I wouldn't, like... And now seeing that he's gone and that we could live without him, I'm okay. But if he came back at the right price, I wouldn't be completely disappointed. But that would be kind of contradicting what we're doing. You know, we're trying to get away from that style of hitting as a team. But I'm open to anything, and if we can make a move, I feel like Nico Horner shouldn't be the reason why we don't go out and get a shortstop. With that being said, I obviously want a guy for the right price, and we do have bigger needs in the system, like pitching. However, I don't want to go out and sign a Marcus Stroman just because he's the best guy on the market when I'm not really a huge fan of him, and I guarantee you he's going to get overpaid by whoever gets him. It could be us, and I'll be very disappointed. But we just have to trust the process. And when I say that, we now will go to the prospects. We look at, okay, who did we get for everyone? Let's look at, let's touch all the prospects we received in last month's deadline for starters. We picked up Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi Baez and Trevor Williams. Based on how Javi's been playing since he's been with the Mets, and now he has this whole thing with the booing the fans and the fans not being this, not necessarily appreciating. And New York fans are hard on their players. People kind of got to understand that. But it doesn't seem like he's really hitting it off with the fans there, and his production hasn't been great. There was a clip of him on Twitter last week of him swinging at a ball, being doing something very hobby-like, and I guess people in New York aren't used to it yet. And he's just he's an acquired taste, and you have to be with hobby. You have to expect the unexpected. With that being said, we received Pete Crow Armstrong, who was a first-round pick last year. He's currently injured, so he's not going to play again this year. But I really like him. I think he has the ability to be a future day-to-day center fielder. He's 19 years old with an ETA of 2024, and that's fine. I feel like this team is going to take a couple years just because of all the prospects we have, and that's fine. We could take a couple years. I want... I feel like a good guide for when this team will be relevant again is when Jason Hayward's contract is off the books because that frees up all the money in the world. So yeah, I think 2024 is when Cubs fans and baseball should be eyeing up, okay, this is when the Cubs are going to be relevant again. So that's fine. Let him, 2024 is a good ETA for Pete Crow. Um, the Rizzo, we got Kev, outfielder Kevin O'Contra and right-handed pitcher Alexander Vizcaino. Alcantara is our 16th ranked prospect. He's 19 years old in rookie ball. He's a 6'6", 188-pound outfielder with a beautiful swing. So another kid who I think has some potential, but it's going to take a little while, which is fine. You know, his ETA is 2023, believe it or not, so he's going to be up sooner than you think. Patience, and it's a guy I'm okay with. And then now we got Alexander Vizcaino, who's our 19th ranked prospect. He's in high A ball. He's a 24-year-old right-handed pitcher, a little older. Then most people like, but his ETA is next season, so expect to see Vizcaino throwing in pinstripes for us next year. 6'2", 160-pound right-handed pitcher. It's a little bit of a, a smaller guy. And that's okay. When we acquired them, Alcantara was a the number 9 prospect, and Vizcaino was the number 12 prospect in the Yankee system. So keep that in mind. It's a good move, and it looks like at least one of those guys, or both of them, could pay out well, even if Vizcaino ends up being a really, really long term. And I think people got to realize that with our pitching prospects. We have a lot of them, and obviously there's only five spots in the rotation, so a lot of these guys are going to end up being relievers in the long run, and I could see Vizcaino being one of those guys. Um, and finally, the Bryant trade. I think that trade acquired my favorite overall prospect out of the three halls. We acquired outfielder Alexander Canario and right-handed pitcher Caleb Killian. 
Canarios are number 12. Killians are number 14. Let's start with Canario. I, there's a lot to love with Canario. He's a 21-year-old outfielder in high A ball. Ever since he joined us, I scrolled to his stats, high A, he's had 98 at-bats. He's slugging 500. He's hit six homers, 19 RBIs, and he's batting 265. There's a lot to like. He's a big kid, and he's got a big home run type swing. Could definitely see him being an everyday outfielder for us. He's 21 too, so his ETA should be in the next couple of seasons. I think the Cubs, if they can develop him right, did really well there. And then we go to Caleb Killian, the second guy in the trade, a right-handed arm. He's in double A right now with the Smokies. He's 24 years old. His ETA is next season. He's 6'4", 180 pounds. I watched him on marquee last week. He's currently 1-2 and two in four games, the 4.02 ERA in 15 innings. He got off to a rough start. His first couple starts weren't as good. That's when he suffered his two losses. Start number three, he picked up a no decision, threw better. And then his very last start, which he threw last week, six he threw five innings of shutout ball. I think it was one run ball. I don't know. It was – have to pull this up if I can. By the way, he threw five solid innings. He only allowed three hits. He did give up one run. I think he gave up a homer, and he struck out five. He looked really good, and I was impressed when I watched him. So there's a lot, of, lot to like about Caleb Killian coming up in our system. Now let's fill in the gaps. Let's talk about the guys that weren't in these trades in our down the list. Number one, Brendan Davis. Everyone knows I've been a huge Brendan Davis guy before this year. He won the, the MVP for the Futures game. Overall, there's a lot to like with Brennan. He's in double A. He's supposed to be up by next season, 21 years old. This year with Tennessee in 231 at-bats, he has hit 11 homers, 34 RBIs, seeing 264. He's played really good defense out in right field. I like him as a corner long-term if we're talking future Cubs. I think right field for him. So if there's him and Pete Crow in center, you look at the rest of these outfield prospects, guys like... Canario, Alcantara, Owen Casey, who we've yet to talk about, you know, guys like that, only one of those guys need to hit and play left field for us. You know, that's just such a huge upside. So I really like Brian Davis. He's going to be the guy who sells tickets in the north side next year. Regardless of free agent signing or not, people are going to be excited with him. Uh, two, Braylon Marquez. Um, there's not a lot to talk about with Braylon. He's 22. He was our top prospect. Everyone, he throws the ball really hard, but struggles with command. This was supposed to be a big year for him to really work on development through the minor league system and hopefully reach the bigs, whether it was in the rotation or out of the pen. But a shoulder injury prevented him from throwing this year, so that obviously sets back his timeline. Hoping he gets healthy, and he's expected to be up with the big league club by next season. Number three prospect, a kid I'm a huge fan of, Christian Hernandez. 17-year-old international signing guy out of the DR. Uh, there's a lot to like with this guy, really. And he's, I mean, he's really young, shortstop. Obviously, they can move all over the place, play different positions, so he could very well fit into third base, second base, whatever. But people are talking about his physical comparisons to a young Alex Rodriguez and Manny Machado, and I'm seeing him on Twitter hitting bombs in the rookie league, and that's just good to see. Finally, the Cubs were able to get a big-name international kid at a very young age, and I'm expecting big things out of Christian Hernandez. While he is 17, his ETA is 20-25, so Cubs fans, you're going to have to wait a little bit on this kid, but I think it's going to be well worth the wait. 
Number four is Miguel Amaya. He's ETA is this season, but everyone's known about Miguel. He's been a top five prospect in our system for a few years now. Yeah, he's really while being injured, he's really struggled this year. Only seventy nine plate appearances, and he's hitting two fifteen. Obviously, him and Braylon have dealt with injuries, but Amaya, it's a rough year, and and we're really hoping next year Braylon and Miguel can hit that stride developing and get up and get through our system and be a part of that big league team next year in 2022. Uh, we talked about Pete Crow. Number seven, Jordan Wicks. Love the kid. Uh, got him out of Kansas State in the first round of the draft. Um, hoping they're saying he's 21 years old, 6'3", 228-pound, left-handed hitcher, known as having the best changeup in this past draft. His ETA is 2023, and I think that's perfect. It's going to be nice to have a left-handed starter. I'm very high on Jordan Wicks. He's college. And then there's a little bit of development, not a whole lot of development to have left. I mean, he's pretty much going to be as list as provided being a college guy. He got a lot of his development done there. So we have a almost big league ready pitcher in about a season and a half. Uh, seven, Ed Howard. Wasn't he's a Chicago kid, uh, 19 year old shortstop, ETA 2024, 6, 285 pounds. Wasn't huge on Ed coming out of the draft. He's always been great defensively, but his bat has been what's worried people. I think we can might be able to start laying those to rest just as of late. He kind of, he struggled out the gate hard this season offensively. In his first 34 at-bats at Myrtle Beach, he struck out 17 times. But in the last few weeks, he's been scorching the ball, hitting it really well. His average for the season has climbed up. So I don't think if you – you can't look at Ed Howard's season statistics in the minors and be like, oh, he had a rough year. If you look at the second half of the season, he's a completely different player. So I'm starting to feel a lot better about Ed long-term. And it's nice to have this many infielders because, well, you can weed through them. Okay, the ones that are going to stick, stick. And then guys who we can feel confident flipping for big-name guys, you know, we can do that as well. It's it, I'd rather have a good farm system all the time than not. So more than okay. Uh, next guy, one, one big-name the next two guys, so we acquired four prospects for you, Darvish. Prospects 8 and 9 have had big-time developmental years from that trade as our 8 and 9 prospects that are making people say, ooh, the Cubs might have done something good by getting that contract off their books, and these two kids look nice. So number 8 prospect, he's a shortstop third baseman, Reginald Presaido. He's playing in uh, rookie ball right now in 132 ABs in rookie ball. He's hitting 333. And he's only struck out 31 times. He's got seven stolen bags. He's hit nine doubles. He's slugging. His OBP is at 386, and he's slugging 492. Two homers, 22 RBIs, 11 walks. Very impressive. And it's good to see that a prospect from that trade is doing well. He's 19 years old. His projected time to the bigs is uh, 2024. He's 6'4", 185 pounds. Next guy, Owen Casey, the other guy acquired in that trade for Darvish, 19 years old, 6'4", 190-pound outfielder, bats left, throws right. He's in Myrtle Beach this season in a 129 at-bats. He's hitting 326 with six homers, 23 RBIs. He's got almost as many walks as strikeouts, 31 walks to 43 strikeouts. The strikeout rate's a little high, but, I mean, he's 19 years old his first year. In minor league pro ball, it's going to happen. Very impressed with him. He was a second-round pick in the pandemic shortened draft last season. Him and Reginald have been very impressive, and it's good to see the development there. And 
it's looking more and more like this Darvish trade isn't as lopsided as people would have thought. All right, there's – oh, last guy I'd round up the top 10. Then after that, I'll just – for the rest of the top 30, I'll, I'll talk about a few guys that I like. Cole Franklin, a guy that I'm very, very high on. He is 21 years old. His ETA is 20-23, 195-pound right-handed pitcher, currently with Myrtle Beach. Started the year in Eugene – or yeah, in Eugene, South Bend. He's kind of – Pitched all over the place. And he's he's looked solid. People are projecting him to be a good middle-of-the-rotation starter. And I'm, I, I'm very much a fan of Cole Franklin. Uh, other guys throughout the rest, we already talked about Alcantara. Um, who else do I like? So we'll start right at... I like James Triantos, our number 11 prospect. He's an infielder. He is, I believe, he's 18 years old. But he's got a, his ETS 2025, really young kid. He, re- he was a first-round talent in next summer's draft, but he reclassified in high school to be in this year's draft. Cubs grabbed him in the second round and paid him almost a million dollars over his slot value to sign. And he's impressed in rookie ball so far, I do believe. I saw him hit a homer the other night in 48 at-bats. He's hitting 292, pretty impressive, with two homers, six RBIs. I mean, why not, man? I mean, the more infielders, the merrier, the more guys we can move around, or the more guys that have the the more just guys in general we have that could possibly stick. And it's just good to see. Uh, DJ Hers, our number 13 prospect, he's had a breakout year left-handed pitcher in Myrtle Beach, 20 years old. Sure, Myrtle, he's 3-4 and four with a 3-4-3 ERA, and he's just each and every start now is continuing to impress more and more. Number 15 prospect is Ryan Jensen, who we took in the first round a couple years ago, 23 years old as ETA's next season. He already got bumped up to double A, which he's been starting, but I think long term with his stuff, I could see Jensen coming out of the bullpen. Uh, and last but not least, in the top 20, at least, we have our number 17 prospect, Kevin Made, 18 year old, 18 years old. Very uh, international signing from us. His defense has been very wow-like. He's at 192 at-bats in Myrtle Beach, almost 200 at-bats. He's hitting 281. Hasn't hit a homer, so he's not necessarily a power guy, but he's got good average and he plays good defense. I am a fan of Kevin Made and what he's been doing this season. Other guys, notables, uh, we have Greg Diekman, who made his major league debut this past month. Kind of struggled a little, so he's back down in Iowa now. He's who we got for Andrew Chafin the oldest prospect on this list at 26. And I think I want to touch on our number 30 prospect now that Justin Steele graduated through the prospect status. Nelson Velasquez, outfielder in Tennessee, six foot, 190 pounds. Nelson's having himself a real good year. Just got moved up from South Bend. He's hitting 333 and 69 ABs with six homers and 20 RBIs and a really short sampling of Tennessee. Velasquez has looked very good. So even though he's at the back end of our top prospects, rankings that's a guy that a lot of fans should have their eyes on so that's just kind of cubs prospect talk expect to hear a lot of that over the next couple years and every show i kind of want to brush up on on the farm and kind of talk about how prospects have been doing while the season is still coming to a close other baseball talk let's look at our yeah let's run through real quick Standings, AL East, the Rays are up six games on New York and eight up on Boston. 
The White Sox have the Central and Raps 10 games up, and Houston's five and a half up on Oakland. I think all the division leaders in the AL East right now will stick and win their divisions. National League, Atlanta has taken a big stride. 11 games over 500, four and a half up on Philly. And I, too, think Atlanta will stick and win this division. The Mets are now four games under. I was telling people in the last show, I know it was a little while ago, but I was still t- I've just told people throughout the year, I don't believe in what the Mets are doing. I don't think the Mets are that good of a baseball team. And the proof was in the pudding as we got down the stretch. Uh, NL Central, no one's touching the Brewers, 79-52. They are eight and a half games up on Cincinnati. And then the NL West, San Francisco, while they are 84-46, and 46, very impressive, they're only two and a half up on the second place Dodgers. We go to the wild card. Uh, right now, the Yankees are two up in the first spot, and Boston's in spot number two, who are two and a half up on Oakland. I think the only team, it's a three-team race between New York, Boston, and Oakland with only one missing out. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to rule Oakland out, but I still, if I had to go on a hunch, I think it's going to be Yankees-Red Sox in the AL wildcard game. I don't see Seattle or Toronto making a, making a push. I think Oakland's the only team from the outside looking in that has a shot. Um, NL wildcard, Dodgers are 11.5 up on the first spot. So it's safe to say Dodgers or Giants, whoever ends up in the wildcard game, they will be hosting. And I truly do believe, and this is a tough subject of, and a lot of people are going to disagree, I think the Dodgers are going to come out from behind and, and steal that division from the Giants last second. I just believe they're the better baseball team and they deserve it more. But however, the Giants have been deserving of recognition, so it's tough. But I think the Dodgers will end up winning out. But it, whoever, it doesn't matter. Because they're they're both going to end up playing each other in the NLDS, I believe. It's just going to matter who has the home field. Because I, I do believe Dodgers, whoever wins the NL West, obviously is in there as the one seed. And then whoever hosts the wild card game against what's looking to be right now Cincinnati, I think they're going to mop them too. So regardless, I think it's going to be Giants-Dodgers in the NLDS. It's just going to be who has home field. And who doesn't have to play the one-game play-in? We'll talk into the second spot. Cincinnati, 10 games above 500, a game and a half up on the struggling Padres. The Padres have had a rough stretch. Ever since the middle of June, they're 24-30, and 30, which is not a good look. I don't think they make the playoffs. I'm not... I mean, they're a game and a half out, so anything can happen. I wouldn't doubt it, but I... I think the mojo from Cincinnati is too good right now. At the end of the day, I don't think it matters because Cincinnati or San Diego, whoever makes it, they're not going to beat the Dodgers slash Giants. But it's still an interesting race race to watch nonetheless. But I feel like we kind of have an idea who's what. I like Tampa, Houston, and the White Sox, all current division leaders to stay that way. And to be quite honest, I don't see anyone touching Yankees as the number one wildcard team. Boston and Oakland, that's a race that I think is going to get heated. But And I know Boston's had a rough second half, and their big first half is the reason why they're sticking around. But I think they're going to they're gonna find their way eventually, especially with Chris Sale coming back and all that. I think Boston will end up narrow. It'll be narrow, but I think they'll pull it off. And then, like I said, Milwaukee and Atlanta are going to win their divisions. Uh, San Fran slash L.A. is the West. I think it's going to be L.A., and that would put San Fran as the number one wildcard team, and they'll beat Cincy or San Diego, whoever it is. So... While it is a big pen race, we kind of have an idea who's around it and who's probably going to be in it. And now we know October 5th, mark your calendars, is when playoff baseball will first kick off. Very exciting. Let's jump into football while we can. Actually, let's do college football and end on the NFL. Um, this past week, 
There wasn't much. There's only five games. If I can get there. I don't think they're going to show me. I'll have to go on my phone. It was an entertaining first game to kick off. Brett Bielema, his first game as coach for the Illinois Fighting Illini. It was a W over Scott Frost and Nebraska. And I think that puts a lot of people in question, is Scott Frost the right guy for the job? Adrian Martinez did not look good. Big Ten football, so the under hit, shocker there. Only two points were scored in the first quarter. It was a safety by Illinois. And Illinois' offense came alive, scoring two touchdowns in the second and third quarters. I don't know, man. I think Nebraska just can't catch a break. And that scoop and score by Illinois to end the first half is a huge thing, too. It'll be interesting to see this upcoming week. Illinois hosts uh, University of Texas San Antonio at home, which I believe they will win. And we're going to get into my picks for and if for spreads, over-unders, and all that here in just a minute. But I'm trying to see who does Nebraska play this week. They face off against Fordham at home. So that should be a good pick-me-up game, hopefully, for Scott Frost and his group. But good showing by Bielema and Illinois football. It could be back. We don't know. We did see uh, their quarterback, Brandon Peters, go down in the first quarter. Really rough shoulder injury. I feel really bad for the guy. It's his fifth year. This is probably last year playing. And to see something like that happen, feel bad for the guy. But Arter Sitkowski, the former Rutgers quarterback, came in, stepped in, and looked real good and propelled his team to a victory. Uh, game two on the docket, Fresno State-UConn. I mean, this is pretty pretty, pretty predictable. Fresno State, 45 nothing victory. And a lot of people saw this coming. The spread for this game was Fresno State by 27.5. And, and at first I saw that, I'm like, wow, I'm like, there's no respect to UConn. And then you think about it, A, UConn's UConn. They're not that great of a football school. But B, UConn football hasn't played a game. They didn't play last year. I think people forget about that. And they had to travel out to the West Coast. And Fresno State has Jake Hayner, who's a good-looking quarterback. I can totally see why that line was a thing. And the people who picked that, good for them. And I can see now why they were the way they were. And Fresno State, they take on Oregon, 11th-ranked Oregon this week, as a plus-20-point underdog, which you might want to look into that. I don't know if I'm sold on Oregon. I've never sold on Oregon, but this Fresno State team looks like they're not going to mess around this season, at least after they put on a good showing in their opener. So 45 nothing, not much said there. Uh, UCLA put a lot of doubters of them away. They took down Hawaii 44-10. to 10. It was the Dorian Thompson-Robinson show. 10 for 20 in the air, 130 yards and a touchdown, but it was the rushing game for UCLA. Zach Charbonnet, six carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns. And Britton Brown, 13 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. It was great defensive play from UCLA as well. As they had two interceptions on the day. This is very impressive showing in UCLA. A lot of people are always weary about them, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson's coming to play, former high school backup of Tate Martell. And they're going to have a test this week as they're heading to play LSU. In the final two games, uh, UTEP takes down New Mexico State 30-3, and San Jose State beats Southern Utah 45-14. to We're going to talk about a few games, select few games here this week. I'm only going to talk about a few. And then... I guess this will be the first edition. I'm making this a thing. Yox pick six. I'm making six picks. It can be a team to win straight up. 
an over-under for a game or a spread, a spread for a team. So that's going to be a thing, and we're going to get into it. Um, first game of note that I'm pretty sure I'm going to put on my Yacht Pick 6, Ohio's four-seed Ohio State taking on it, unranked Minnesota on the road. OSU is a 14-point favorite, and it's an over-under of 64.5. Now, not a lot of scoring goes on in college football games unless it's Ohio State. We saw that Illinois under versus Nebraska, that hit on Saturday, and I firmly believe the only team that scores points in this conference is Ohio State. And if it's an Ohio State-Penn State game, that game is going to score the most points of any Big Ten game all season. I'm not confident in the over-under, but what I am confident is I think despite the fact that there's a new quarterback at the helm in C.J. Stroud, and there's a really good, Ohio State probably is the best quarterback room in the whole nation, with guys such as Kyle McCord, C.J. Stroud, and the kid who graduated from high school year early, Quinn Ewers, I, I like Ohio State by 14. And I don't care who they have. They're Ohio State. C.J. Stroud looks like a competent quarterback. Ryan Day knows what he's doing. And I think that's a pretty safe pick. That's on Thursday. Trying to find some Saturday games now. Uh, another interesting one, and this is not going to be a part of my pick six, but Michigan State Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern, a three-point underdog. Uh, games notoriously known for not scoring a lot of points, so there's that 45 in there to keep in mind. Uh, Saturday, September 4th. Um, Penn State, Wisconsin, that's a big game. Over under 50, Wisconsin by 5.5. I'm not going to throw this in the pick six, but that's going to be a game to watch for early at Camp Randall. To keep that in mind. A game I am going to throw in the pick six, though, is Oklahoma against Tulane. Two-seed Oklahoma with Heisman candidate Spencer Rattler at the helm. A 26.5-point favorite. I like that. I've learned if there's a big spread, it's a big spread for a reason. I like Rattler and the Sooners. I think that's a safe pick. So we need four more. I talked about that Fresno State-Oregon game. It's at 1 o'clock in the Pac-12. Oregon's 20.5-point favorites. Keep an eye on that game. I'm not going to throw the pick six, but keep an eye on it. game I am going to throw, they got two right here, two more. One C, or Number one, Alabama. Number 14, Miami. I don't care that Miami's ranked 14th in the country. It's Alabama. I'm going to take them by 18 and a half. Enough said. At the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Bryce Young, new quarterback at the helm. He's already made almost a million dollars in NIL deals, which is crazy. But never pick against Nick Saban. Uh, next game I'm throwing in. Miami of Ohio. A little bit of action. Going to the eight seed Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati by 23. I think it's going to be a blowout. No contest. I think if you're at that junction, too, there's that OU of 51. And I think a lot of people are going to be like, ah, oh, well, Miami's not going to score a lot. Honestly, if Miami can score two touchdowns in this game, that means for the over to hit, if, you want, if you're thinking Miami's, if they can score two touchdowns in this football game, if my calculator works, you just need 38 points out of Cincinnati, which I think they are more than capable of putting on. So I feel like that's a pretty, pretty good pick to ride with in that aspect. So there's four of them as we go on. Number 17, Indiana, gets number 18, Iowa. That's going to be a real good game as well. Iowa's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Keep going. Throw this one in for fun, I think. Yeah, we're going to do this one. Akron against Auburn. Akron hasn't won a game in almost three years, and they are 36.5 point underdogs, and I would take Auburn and Bo Nix for minus 36.5. Call me crazy. Akron is an awful football team, and they lose by 
four touchdowns against teams in their conference. What makes you think they're going to hang with an SEC football team, especially a team like Auburn, who's a middle-of-the-pack SEC team? I like that all day. Then we are going to round out the picks this week. Call me crazy. No, I'm doing it. I'm riding with the Illini. After seeing what they did last week, I'm riding recency bias. They play University of Texas San Antonio. Give me the Illini by six points at home, and I like I like that very much. So we did all spreads this week. So we have our pick six, Illinois minus six. We have Auburn minus 36 and a half. I don't care. It sounds crazy, and it's a very huge spread, but it's Akron. There's a reason for it. Cincinnati minus 23, Alabama minus 18 and a half. We got Oklahoma minus 26 and a half, and I like Ohio State minus 14. Other games to look out for this, this upcoming week, I said 16, UCLA is going ho- staying at home, and they're having number 16 LSU come to them. So that'll be a very fun game to watch. Uh, 13, Florida, they're hosting FAU at home. It's another game I could have very well thrown into the pick six. I think game of the day, game of the night, number three, Clemson hosting in the Dukes Mayo Classic against number five, Georgia. DJ Ugulele, first season as the guy at Clemson. That'll be a good game to watch. All eyes will be on Death Valley Saturday night. I do believe it's at Death Valley. Nope, it's in it's in Carolina. It's at Bank of America Stadium. So that's where all eyes will be Saturday night. We'll check in with those next week and we'll Make our picks after that. Let's wrap up with some NFL. Um, I think I'm gonna we'll we'll talk some quarterback controversy and some trades and all that. We're gonna keep it light because I want to do my big team, like team by team overviews in the show next week. But going down the list, we'll hit injuries first. Travis Etienne of the Jags and J.K. Dobbins of the Ravens both out for the year. Obviously, Dobbins towards the ACL, so that's more of a severe injury, but. ETN hurt his foot, and he's going to have that surgery that nobody likes to have. The lingua, I think, is the name of it, lingua franca or something. That's not good. So prayers up to ETN and Dobbins. Dobbins is a soft, coming sophomore year. A lot of people were excited for what he was to, to show, and then obviously ETN's a rookie yet to step foot on the field. So tough for him there. Um, that's it for injuries, really. We're going to talk quarterbacks now. Um Obviously, to no one's surprise, Trevor Lawrence won the starting job in Jacksonville, but then they proceeded to trade Gardner Minshew to the Eagles, which is a real head scratch for the Eagles because they already have Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins behind Hurts in their quarterback room. An overall head-scratching trade. It's it's head-scratching in the first place for Minshew to be traded, let alone to the Eagles. I feel like that's like, even though they were brought up a lot just strategically, I mean, you should, I would be relatively okay with having Flacco and Mullins in my quarterback room behind Hurts, but teams are going to do what teams are going to do, I guess. Uh, the big one this week was Jameis winning. There's two big ones. Uh, Jameis winning the job over Taysom, which I 100% agree with. He looked great in preseason. And I think why not give him a shot in a new system? You know, Tampa just wasn't a fit for him. It doesn't work fine. Taysom can go in. I don't like Taysom as a quarterback. He can do everything but play quarterback, in my opinion. And I think him in that little utility role that they have him do as a Swiss Army knife, I think that is a much better role than QE1. Unless if Jameis just goes out there and completely falls all over himself, then you give Taysom the shot. I like him as your QB too, but I like Jameis Winston. You're paying him all that money. six. I don't know how much it is, but it's pretty solid money to be on your football team. Let him go. Let him get first team reps. Um, the other one, big one, 
Uh, Teddy Two Gloves in Denver over Drew Locke. I think talent-wise, that's the best pick, but I'm seeing people say, you know, there wasn't this team. It's not like they're a quarterback away from, you know, playoff contending, you know, contending for the division. You know, they're behind. They're arguably the last place team because I like the Chargers with Herbert and that potent offense, and then obviously Kansas City over them. So why not one last shot for Drew Locke? This is his shot to – he even said he felt good in camp in preseason and he looked good and all that. And I definitely think Teddy's the better, better quarterback. I'm not saying he's not, but you know what? Your thing with Drew Locke, give him – let him – give him a run at it, kind of like a Trubisky and Foles thing from last year. Give him a run at it, and if it doesn't go his way, okay, now we have reason to go to Teddy. But you never had reason to go to Teddy in the first place without giving Locke a shot. But then there's the other side of the coin. Well, you traded for Teddy, so why not give Teddy a go? I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how things go. Denver's got a lot of weapons. Uh, they got rookie running back Javante Williams, who from a fantasy perspective everyone loves, and I think he's going to outdo the touches of Gordon. And I think this will be Melvin Gordon's last year as a Bronco. And then from a receiver standpoint, they got Cortland Sutton coming off injury, and they got Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and then tight end, you got Noah Fant. So a lot of weapons for both these quarterbacks to work with. Um, I can go on my own thing with Chicago with Dalton Fields. Uh, they said today Fields is running scout team, so I don't even know if that means he might not even be QB2, which is just messed up in its own right. But... I think for week one, it's fine to let Dalton run out there, really. I mean, we're not expected to win that game anyways, and I, there's no rush. Yeah, okay, Fields is still QB2 on the chart, which is fine, but it's so wrong. But it is what it is, but it's fine. That offensive line is so horrid anyways, I just don't know how. Week one against the Rams is going to be such a nightmare on Sunday Night Football, but I'm obviously going to tune in and watch my guys. So that's, that's where I stand on that. And then... Yeah, that's about it. That'll do it for this week. We'll wrap things up. Uh, stay tuned for next week. We'll, we'll review the, the pick six, and then we'll dive more into predicting week one and next week's pick six. Actually, I want to talk about two. I drafted two fantasy teams yesterday I'm very excited about. So stay first. this first one, precursor, it's a six-person league that I do for fun. But I got, and I had a keeper. So my keeper is Dalvin Cook. I'm putting that out there in the atmosphere. And then I had the second pick. So with that second pick, I went Kamara. But from there, my team, outside of those two. So QB1, I got Kyler Murray. And then Cook and Kamara is my RBs. In rounds three and four, I was able to get DeAndre Hopkins and Calvin Ridley. I followed that up by taking Terry McLaurin in the fifth round. And then I went Murray. Then I got Mark Andrews. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Then I went Murray. Then I went Mark Andrews. And then my defense is the Washington football defense. And I got Jason Sanders kicking. My bench is David Montgomery, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Miles Gaskin, Kenny Galladay, Aaron Rodgers, Dallas Goddard, Daryl Henderson. I love this team. I know it's a six person, so don't. I know real leagues. I am in a real league, too. I mean, this is a real league, but like people say, oh, real leagues are at least 10 people. I have two other leagues to do. I have a 10-man and a 12-man, so don't give me a hard time. I like doing these leagues for fun. So, yeah, that's one. And then I drafted a guillotine league last night, which we couldn't get 18 people for, so it's a nine-person. For those of you who don't know what a guillotine league is, traditionally there's 18 people, and then you don't play against one particular person. You just play against everyone. And week by week, if you're the lowest-scoring team, you get eliminated, knocked off. But in this circumstance, 
There's nine people, so I had Lamar Jackson, Stephon Diggs, Terry McLaurin, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, Darren Waller, Brandon Ayuk, Daryl Henderson, Cortland Sutton, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ronald Jones, Justin Fields, Sanders, Niners defense. So we'll talk more about that next week. Have a good one, everyone. I will catch you next week. Go enjoy some sports in this upcoming week. Stay good. I'll catch you guys later. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.